0: morning. This is the Master Gardener Hour. This is Rena Sartain, and we welcome you to the show this morning. I have with me this morning my guest, Libba Shortridge. Libba, welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, I'm... Happy to be here. And, and you were here one time before when we were with Nancy Jones from the um, Blue Heron Preserve. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I, but we're talking about something totally different today, and this is a, um, a subject that's near and dear to my heart, um, being in the green industry, and that's horticultural therapy. And it has a, a, um, a really growing
1: interest um, in today's world. I agree. And it's about the plant-people connection, which I think people people are really getting these days and really realizing the value of it in all industries, from education to to therapies.
0: One of the um, things before we find out a little bit about you that um, um, made me realize – You know, really what brought a lot of this mind-body science into the forefront, I think, are our athletes. And um, I was watching Diana Nyad come out of the water um, about two or, what, two or three weeks ago when she swam 110 miles away from Cuba. Why anybody would want to do that is beyond my comprehension. But, you know, um, she was so amazing. And one of the things that she talked about... Um, on her In her interview the following morning um, was that um, she was not as fast a swimmer at 64 as she was at 28 when she tried it the first time. But she was a stronger swimmer. And the connection, of course, was her her mental endurance and her emotional um, stability that really surged her on to, mm-hmm. to doing this. Right. And... I, I, I think that because our athletes have been put on such a pedestal for so long, we have watched them and watched um, what your mental influence has over your your physical influence. And so I love that mind-body science mm-hmm. that I think is pretty much the basis of mm-hmm. the, the HORT therapy research. Would you agree?
1: Yes. Yeah. And so much of it is about um, the recovery piece um, that is about that connection, making a connection with nature and connecting that with your own recovery, again, in many aspects. Um, So horticultural therapy can can work with um, patients with dementia, with mental illness, uh, with physical disabilities, with rehab um, in educational settings. Um, but, but it is that plant that connection and looking at those models in nature where nature is going through these cycles of recovery. Nature goes through recovery every mm-hmm. year and
0: rebirth <laughs> and rebirth right. right right. So um, we're going to talk about several different areas and I'd like to really touch. On all these topics, we're going to do this in a two-week series here because there's a lot of information here, and I want to talk about um, your own um, baby, which is the Skyland Trail nonprofit, which is just a um, a wonderful um, institute of horticultural therapy. But also I want to talk about... um, some of the research that's been done and what's been proven and what different how it affects the children and mentally ill, the prisons. I mean it's just mm-hmm. used in so many areas. Right. But let's find out about Miss Liva first. Tell uh-huh. us give us a little bit about where you were born and your background and how
1: the journey that brought you to this to this um, job. Well thank you. I I could say one thing. I'm deeply rooted here in Atlanta. I'm a fifth-generation Atlantan, which I'm very proud of. Uh, that makes our children sixth-generation Atlantans. Um, the, um, I think growing up here in Atlanta, the key um, component for me was being able to play in the woods. And I think that instilled um, a love of nature that, that I will never, uh, uh, that I'll always have with me and never let go of. But what i never imagined in my youth was that i was going to be able to use this thing i love so much in in my career i remember once uh, i always chose to work in the yard growing up and asking my father if this is something i could do as a living when i grew up you know just raking leaves or something and i think he was discouraging me and you know think think of something higher uh, uh, a, a different career, which I chose, but I always had landscaping or gardening as my uh, passion or my trade as I worked my way through school, etc. Uh, Where did you grow up in Atlanta? What? I grew up um, in in Buckhead okay. on um, West Andrews Drive uh, uh-huh. in the again in a wooded uh right very wooded <laughs> very wooded especially uh, back when we grew up <laughs> grew up with the repiliated woodpeckers uh outside my window uh nesting on the second floor uh grew up in a house that was um, built by my grandfather wow and uh, it's very unusual uh, uh but uh Again, um, in a lot of the plants there, we had transplanted from North Georgia. My parents' uh, passion of plants uh, transferred uh, to the ground, but also to me. Um, their, their love of literature as well. So I was able to combine those um, components, again, with what I do now. We do poetry therapy and nature Um so, uh, yeah, then um, from there I went to Galloway School where I learned that um, that kind of holistic approach to education, which is also now at uh, Skyland Trails, hallmark is their holistic approach to therapy. But there it was at Galloway mm-hmm. where um, it was about the physical and mental mind. Mr. Elliot Galloway was a strong believer then in mind and body connection Mm -hmm. as well um, and guiding your own um, education, being kind of responsible for your education. Uh, I learned to love learning there and that learning is about, um, it's a lifetime (laughs) occupation. Uh, And And then did you, are you schooled in
0: Hort or in therapy or what?
1: Yeah. I apologize. I'm giving a background and kind of my uh, passions rather than. My no, passions. no, I love this because I think that <laughs> I think that's it's, a, a it's marvelous pretty, journey. It is. It. I look back and know that the the choices that I've made have a lot to do with that. That kind of foundation. Mm-hmm. It was. It was a good good soil building. Right. <laughs> uh, right. The inspiration from my parents as well as the education. Um, So uh, I went to Warren. uh, My education was actually in um, English, and and then later in landscape architecture. I um, studied landscape architecture. Received my master's in landscape architecture at the University of Georgia, their School of Environment and Design. Mm -hmm. So for 21 years, I practiced landscape architecture and worked uh, side by side with my clients. I think I was kind of um, my forte was in tailoring the landscape to the clients and, and their needs and their desires. Um, often I would ask the children to draw a plan as well, a fort. And weed oh, that and that's corporate. wonderful. <laughs> I love that. But I think I learned also through that, um, and probably a turning point was a design. I was able to do um, a healing garden design, um, but... But I learned that it's a collaborative effort, and I learned how healing um, these landscapes could be. So I felt like in my work, it wasn't so much about solving landscape issues, you know, typically drainage or, or um, circulation, uh, but also it was about providing a place where th- we'd really be healing sanctuary. For, mm-hmm, for the customers. Uh, and then... A turning point for me was actually a volunteer job where I worked on a healing garden, a memorial garden for a high school, working with high school students, um, uh, the teachers, and uh, the families of the um, lost um, members of the school, both faculty and students. So um, although it was tragic, there was great rebirth through this um, Memorial Garden experience of building that together. Oh, that's marvelous!
0: That's marvelous. Well, I love to hear you say that you have um, a background in English because one of the things that um, we always want to remember is that uh, the, the the idea of horticultural therapy actually goes back for centuries and centuries, but. If you look through literature and you look at people like Emerson and Thoreau, they they were of the mind that you met God not in a cathedral but on the top of a, a mountain Absolutely. or through a garden or through um, nature in in so many forms and that, that mm-hmm. it was truly a spiritual experience. Um, I'm not a lover of, of Thoreau, you know, to just sit down and read a book. But if you read some of his excerpts, they're just amazing and um about his his experience with nature and so there's great foundation in that so um i gave a talk the other day and i I was so delighted when you told me that you could be on the show i i did a little of my own research because i have i'm doing a, a landscape up at um in north carolina and one of the people that i'm working with um is a does a um, has a background in horticultural therapy and i just got very interested in um talking with her and um so as i was doing my research i really realized that you know this goes back to what asia and so long ago the the um and and then consequently to europe um the um, Persian gardens, the gardens of Babylon, the old monasteries always had a cloister, a cloister, and I have always been intrigued by um, those type of things. And part of that was not just a, a sanctuary for meditation, which we all think of nature being able to provide us, but in the monasteries, I understand they housed a lot of people who might not be well. And the beautiful gardens that existed inside those cloistered areas were very much like what you're doing today, providing um, a, a place where a, a patient trying to heal could
1: connect with nature. Um, and, it, yes, so it, that connection goes back to maybe where man began where plants and and man cohabitated, I don't think we can really say when horticultural therapy began, except that maybe we can identify when when we acknowledged it as a therapeutic piece, when when we acknowledged it as a connection with with. Um, uh, uh, as a healing element, right? I think I think it, it it has always been. Yes. But then, at what point was it t- that we said this this is? Okay. All right.
0: We'll talk about that in a minute. We're <laughs> going to take a quick break and pick right back up. Thanks. Hi, I'm Paisley McDonald, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show at Home with Paisley every week Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern for practical advice and stylish living for your home and office.
2: Quick stakes. That's. Hi, everybody. It's Don Zabkar, your host for Who Knew? We air Mondays 2 to 3 on America's Web Radio, and then occasionally throughout the week. We've got some great subjects. This administration or this regime, as you know, is providing us with great material. So stay tuned. Check us out. America's Web Radio. It's Who Knew? with Don Zabkar. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
0: Okay, we're back with Libba Shortridge. Okay, Libba, I think you um, you tell me about your how you really got schooled in hort therapy. Where where did that where did you pick that up? Was that after your
1: career as a landscape architect? Thank you, Rena. So I actually, as I said, there was a turning point in. Um, in my work my career when I did the volunteer work for the memorial memory garden we called it um, and at that point I did research how can I study this um, uh, I didn't know the field existed mm-hmm. and most people don't and this is this is where we need help is educating the public that this field actually does exist it's um, called horticultural therapy it's not offered in most colleges you cannot sit down with your college, college counselor in high school and say um, I want to pursue this you know uh, major mm-hmm. uh, you, you typically there are a few colleges that offer the degree um, but typically you, ha- you have to create your own path which is what i did and i highly recommend the uh, school that i went to for the courses in horticultural therapy um, it's linked with um, colorado state and it's called the horticultural therapy institute and they are it's, um, I'm going to give you their website so you'll know yeah, that right away. Too. It's um, www.htinstitute.org or info at htinstitute.org. Um, now, did you
0: go out there or did you do these online or, or how does
1: that work? That's a good question because. The, the beauty of this school is that they will they offer classes uh, in different parts of the United States mm-hmm. and more recently in the Southeast. In fact, we are going to be hosting the Introduction to Horticultural Therapy at Skyland Trail in November. Uh, the dates are the 7th through the 10th. So it's the first class that you would take of four classes, um, four intense classes, uh, toward the certification in horticultural therapy. And that is when? November. 7th through 10th. okay, And you can sign up now through the H Horticultural Therapy Institute. Okay. There are other programs. Um, the, the Legacy Institute, there are uh, programs in New York uh, through the Rush um, Institute. Uh, in Tennessee and Kansas State offers a degree in horticultural therapy, um, but this is appealing to me and maybe to many of our listeners because it really works with a second career the flexibility of the the courses are taught in in the denver denver area but also in california and again in north carolina Mm -hmm. north North carolina i know has a, a good um offering
0: well you know when you talk about um getting a degree or a certification what is the difference between between a certification
1: and a HORT degree that's a good question so uh, typically like i said most colleges do not offer a horticultural therapy degree so uh, instead the the requirements the AHTA which is our national organization American Horticultural Therapy Organization uh, association excuse me is um requiring for the educational piece to to be courses in both the health sciences as well as horticulture in addition to the classes in horticultural therapy. So um, you will have need to go on their website to see that educational okay. requirement in order to become a registered horticultural therapist. Yeah. And that's very important because it helps us with um really legitimizing this as a career and then there it it may be backwards then maybe then now schools will adopt this as a degree
0: because you know you i I would think it would be very much i mean a lot of it just seems Mm -hmm. like such common sense in so many ways about how how soothing and the you know just um the reaction that people have to being exposed to nature but i i was wondering if you needed more of a background in hort or in how the brain works to acknowledge and accept
1: this type of therapy or healing right it's it's very balanced the requirements Yeah. so the requirements that. in both psychology or health sciences as well as horticulture they're they're equal um in uh, in need it's important to, because as a therapy and as a therapist uh-huh. uh, you need um, to be skilled in both Okay. now there are many colleges like the University of Georgia for instance has a phenomenal psychology department as well as horticulture and it's just a matter of teaming, teaming yeah. up those typically students there. And I have one uh, intern I've been working with who is taking courses in both there because she learned early on in her college career, I, c- I can make yeah. this, um, uh, fill the requirements to be a registered horticultural therapist. Yeah.
0: That's wonderful. I mean, I think this is exciting for people who, Love to be outside, love nature. I mean, what a to to be an up and coming college graduate in today's world. What a great uh, choice of profession. So the professional mm-hmm. industry, or the professional association, was started in 1973. Right. So you're getting ready to celebrate 40 years as a professional association. Now, about how many? um participants, certified or mm-hmm. or um, degreed people, do you think? Do you have an idea?
1: I believe um, there are 900 um, members of AHTA and 25% of whom are registered horticultural therapists. So, to okay. do my math, that's, right. you know... So um,
0: I, I want you to, I'm going to uh, give a little outline. I want to kind of start somewhere so that our listeners kind of understands the impact of this. And then I'm going to let you embellish on that, if you would, because I know you know all the people that did these studies, and I have a lot of names, but they certainly don't mean to me what they mean to you. But um, <clears throat> this was one of the... One of the research projects that went on for some time that I was very um, impressed with, and this went on um, in uh, in Pennsylvania um, between 1972 and 1981. So this was really at the beginning of this becoming a, a true um, profession. Um, they took um, groups of people and it was really apples to apples they they used a um, type of um, a common type of gallbladder surgery from what I understand um, it's one that is has a comparatively standardized procedure and a minimal uh, minimal complications. Um, after after surgery and and so you know most of these were very manageable uncomplicated cases and the criteria for matching these two groups that they were using was sex um, age and I think the people had to be within five years of each other there was a five year span being a smoker or a non smoker being obese or um, you know within the normal weight limits and um, I think just a generalized um, background of their health and had they ever been hospi- hospitalized before so so they were dealing with a, a very um, across the board apples to apples type of right. experimental group and um, From my understanding, they put them in two groups where, after the surgery, um, they each had a window to look out of. Mm. And one window um, with one group was a brick wall. Now, which I can really relate to because um, when I go to most of my doctors, I look out. From the doctor's building onto the rooftop, right. the gravel rooftop of a hospital, and I'm always thinking, "Oh my Lord, if I had to see that every day, I would go crazy." I mean, I always think how offensive that is to me right. to look out at the, you know, all the pipes and the vents and everything. The other group looked out on a um, a grouping of deciduous trees, um, so that there was seasonal change right. and. Rebirth and the change of seasons. Um, so, after, and then they used not only the physiological data from their individual recoveries, but they also used feedback from the nurses on their um, general attitude and. Personality during this period of recovery, and I will say the nurses that they used read notes, um, and they did not know who had the brick wall room and who had the deciduous tree wow. room in the in the.
1: So they were unbiased.
0: They are totally unbiased. Um, so, and and they would um, give feedback on you know if they were upset and crying, if they needed encouragement, if they were whiny, as most of us can be when we don't feel good, or Mm -hmm. if they were in a good mood with good spirits, they moved well, they were anxious to get up and get out of there. Um, So the, the results of all of this data was that the people who had a view of, the woods or the deciduous trees usually spent one less day in the hospital as a result of um, this operation. And I think it was around a seven or eight day recovery. So they were definitely a day less in their recovery wow. in, in the hospital. Um, they spent, they had less pain medication. People that looked out on the deciduous trees typically took aspirin or Tylenol I guess Tylenol as opposed to the other people who took um, much stronger drugs um, for pain mm-hmm. as well as um, things that a lot of a lot more sedatives just to kind of put them out of their misery um, and then of course their vital signs were there were you know there was a lot of um, there were a lot of different things and improved things in in vital signs and just purely physical um, data from the people who had who were able to look at on that um, group of trees. So, um, you know, I, I think that that was a tremendous project and a and a real basis turning po- a, right. a turning point in in this whole profession, and then it's kind of gone on from there. Um, before we get started on really go- walking through some specific things, and I want you to um, expand on all of this, um, we're going to take a quick break and be back with Libba Shortridge okay. and our talk on horticultural therapy.
1: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which
2: since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary,
3: Thank you. God bless patriot conservatives and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Quick stakes. That's.
0: You're back with the Master Gardener Hour. This is Rena Sartain and um, Libba. Um, also, with this study that we're, we've just been talking about, um, and this was in, in the in the 70s, let's say. And then um, this is my understanding of, um, you know, when when I said originally that um, this has been going on for centuries, actually. Um, I think that the early hospitals... I have a picture here somewhere that I used in my talk the other day. And it... Let me see if I can find it. It, It's really quite interesting. In the 1800s and in some of these, um, especially in Europe, um, they used... Here it is. um, This is the sleeping porch in 1920 of the Jewish Consumptive Relief Sanatorium. And all the patients are outside in their beds on a on a porch their beds have been literally pulled outside it almost looks like a cruise boat doesn't it it does and so this was in the early 1920s and you know you think about some of the old movies you've seen and really that's kind of sanatorium um thing as opposed to a hospital and you think of the Um, especially with mental um, patients, and you think of these big rolling grounds and gardens that they would just go out and, you know, sit under the trees or whatever. But I think what happened in this country is that while um, we, um, we did have an idea that there was this connection between Nature and healing, and I think Central Park and, and places like that are a wonderful um, um, testament to that. Um, Frederick um, Olmsted. Right said that he did not think people that were not exposed to nature, city dwellers who were not exposed to nature, could not really be healthy. And thus, he created this beautiful Central Park Park that I'm sure has saved the the mentality of many New Yorkers. But in this country, I think then we went through a period because medical science was um, improving exponentially, Mm -hmm. that the concept of a hospital became much more um, designed to um, 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 ward off germs and bacteria, so it became much more sterile in its design and approach, um, and they wanted, you know, they had all the different areas, the emergency room, the specialty, so it was designed differently, and then only until your profession started to really come back into play have we really um, as they design hospitals today they spend billions of dollars on the design of the gardens right. and the therapeutic properties of these um,
1: exactly places. and some good examples in Chicago's Schwab Hospital. It, I'm, they have a rooftop garden where they do horticultural therapy. Uh-huh. They have a, a river, a little stream bed, a, kind of a mock river that runs through there. Where if it, you could reach in, like from a wheelchair, you could reach in and, and touch this stream bed. Uh, you could pick the uh, seeds that currently are coming from the echinacea. Uh, they keep, you know, the. Instead of deadheading the perennials, they keep the seed heads there so that you could harvest them with your hands and have that experience. Mm-hmm. And by reaching in, you're working with the OT and you're you're working on your reaching motions and uh, rehab in the gardens and often not knowing that you're actually doing rehab in the gardens. But there, there are, I think that's a new movement with hospitals. And like you said, that view of looking out onto the rooftop, but with having uh, rooftop gardens as a as a part of the healing um, element. Yeah.
0: You know, I think um, when I think about um, the low stress factor associated with gardens, I always think about the Japanese garden, that everything in a Japanese garden has a um, is male or female. It is very representative of something, some force in nature, um, a larger force, too a larger force. Which is beautiful. And 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 one of the things that I was reading was that in all of this it takes you beyond yourself that nature in with the change of seasons, the going to sleep every winter, the rebirth in the spring, just the whole deciduous factor that's associated with trees and shrubs, that it makes you understand that there is a tremendous life force within the universe, not just this planet, within the universe. Mm-hmm. So it makes you see that there is something that exists that is so much bigger than you Mm -hmm. and it kind of sets us (laughs) back in the right perspective i think
1: but from the horticultural therapy perspective You kind of want to rein that in. So a smaller garden, often a miniature garden, or even like you alluded to, the Zen garden, Mm -hmm. and it can be uh, in a box. It can be Zen in a box, and we do this often at Skyland Trail. Just take like a sandwich box Mm -hmm. and fill it with sand and a few rocks. And, and we make little rakes, and you've got your your little Zen garden or the labyrinth. There's you can walk out onto a larger labyrinth or have a small laptop labyrinth. But I think you're you're right in what's the garden, understanding the larger, uh, the uh, higher power of it, and yet keeping in mind the simplicity is is key, um, because it that is what. Uh, uh, nature can be very chaotic <laughs> and you don't want that chaos you you want actually the all that you can gleam from nature but 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 give it some order um, at the same time to, in order for it to be therapeutic mm-hmm. yeah
0: so you know we're using hospitals just as a a, 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 a premise because that's really. Where the research was done. But That's right. right.
1: Friends Hospital yeah. in Pennsylvania was the first hospital that had uh, both uh, uh, agriculture acknowledged that agriculture and gardening was therapeutic, and that was in the eighteen uh, mid uh, eighteen thirteen They established their garden activities. Uh, Friends aside on.
0: Well, you know, you think about, um, I, I know that, and let me see if I can find his name. I think it might have been Rushing. Um, right. he, he was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, I believe. And he... Um, Benjamin Rush. Benjamin Rush, signer right. of the Declaration, observed and documented the benefits of working with plants with his patients in Philadelphia. That's right. He said
1: quote this quote digging in the dirt <laughs> i love it uh, pikes has picked up on that. Oh, no. <laughs> playing in the dirt uh he said digging in the dirt is was beneficial for his males who were struggling with mania and he really saw positive uh outcomes of the males digging in the dirt mm-hmm. And and from there, then I that then if you look at the dates, then the Friends of Asylum opened up its garden, and then shortly after, there was the first greenhouse that was actually used for horticultural growing plants for well, horticultural You know,
0: you food. kind of think about, I mean. George Washington was a, a tremendous farmer, um, and Thomas Jefferson. Absolutely, and one of the things that I think um, this just makes me love Thomas Jefferson so much the more. Um, it was his just dedication to um, nature. I think, as a gentleman farmer, that he and he bought the Louisiana Territory, and then he it was at his. Um, design that Lewis and Clark, he was bound and determined to establish the Northwest Passage. And for those of you that have had the good fortune to stumble upon, which I normally do, I stumble upon things on television, um, on PBS, they've had a marvelous um, uh, documentary on those years of them or the expedition of the northwest passage and i mean there were hundreds of people on that expedition with lewis and clark and one of the things that was so phenomenal phenomenal is to read or to hear the excerpts of what both lewis and clark under really adverse conditions i mean they're out in the middle of totally uncharted territory with indians that they had no idea i mean you know of course back then there were they weren't being territorial or trying to take things over so the indians actually were wonderful to them but to listen to their explanations and their descriptions of the mountains and the rivers and all that they saw and discovered was just fascinating but the fact was that they would take and I'm not quite sure how they did this. I guess in small parties, if they found like they found a um, a gopher, a prairie dog, and they sent one back to Virginia that alive that Thomas Jefferson kept, and then when it died, I suppose he had it stuffed. Um, but they they you know they were constantly sending back um, specimens of animals and plants. So that as a way to discover this land and what America really was um, and the impact that of their discovery on their on on these two men. And I'm sure all of these people was staggering. So well, if I, you ever get a chance to watch that, people do, because it's it's just a fascinating um, reaccounting of um, Lewis and Clark. Anyway, um, so then we're. We're seeing that there has always been a trend in this country, and now we kind of understand then the medical field, I think, got us away from that through no fault of their own. They were just focused on medical science more than restorative healing in this regard. But now they've really come back around, and it's my understanding that with every hospital that is designed or redesigned, they are really spending a staggering amount of money on these types of—it's an
1: opening of the doors effect and windows—and you see the same thing happening in prisons that they're realizing that this it's better. Let's let's, let's let these um, uh, inmates go. Then we're trying to help, rehabilitate, right? Right into the gardens, and and that's the most that's the greatest uh, gift that they can give to um, to help with that restoration that yeah. rehabilitation
0: well i have this view of um in prison and i i didn't look at the prison too much because i um but i but i know that you know i have this view of you know you're in prison and you go out and you bounce the basketball in a hard court a few times then you go back in and you do whatever you do in prison but the fact was that if there was any hope of really rehabilitating people i think it's probably through this venue as opposed to However, we tried to do it before. I'm not quite sure how that is. It doesn't seem to be that um, effective. Um, but um, I think through, through nature and the garden. And one of the things I came across was that when you are successful um, at growing a plant, if you're someone who's down and out, it, it leads you to believe you can be more successful. At anything, so that's good. All right, so we're going to pick up in just a minute, and I, I want to um, then get more specific with your Skyland Trail project, and I also want to talk about this kind of therapy in regards to children. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment with the Master Gardener Hour. Stay tuned.
2: Quick stakes.
3: With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com.
2: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. As a realtor, I wanted to be more connected to my prospects and clients. I found that my amazing new mobile app provided this connection. And clients show they appreciate my mobile app with their loyalty. More loyalty and more deals closed. But find out for yourself... Take a free test drive available now. TheSmartAppsGuy.com clients love this app. TheSmartAppsGuy.com. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio, designed just for you.
0: We're back with the Master Gardener Hour, and as I said, again, we are doing this um, horticultural therapy in, in two segments. So this will um, air again, and we're going to be um, extending this next week. So we have a lot to cover here. Um, one of the things, um, as before we get more specific about Skyland Trail, because I, I really want you to do tell us really how – You engage so many people out there. But um, one of the descriptions that I found in some of my readings was that um, plants and nature – plants, I I guess, would be the better word – are probably the most politically correct creature.
1: (laughs) Non-judgmental,
0: (laughs) Non-judgmental. They are non-threatening. They will respond to anyone providing care. They do not care what your race is, your age, your sexual preference, your intelligence. Um, It's right up there with pet therapy. (laughs) Exactly. And, um, you know... Like animals. Um, I did a talk yesterday on something totally different and people were asking me about um, how to take care of houseplants. And as I told them, um, they're just like animals. They depend on a routine. They want to be watered at the same time on a you know, same interval every week. They don't want you to just hit and miss with them, just like animals are. And and really, it's a, it's amazing the the connection there between pet therapy and plant therapy. Um, but as we talk about this, plants are um, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual. Um, they provide relaxation and enjoyment skill development now that's got to be really big where you're concerned in 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 true therapy creative expression sensory stimulation intellectual and personal growth social interaction sense of productivity and self-satisfaction and a spiritual connection with the life force now what else can uh, give you do? What are we, we missing? Oh, <laughs> what are we missing here? What are we missing here? You know, I have to say, um, and I don't have the Well, I do in many ways. You know, working in a greenhouse and working with the public every day, I know that I, I have a calling and I have a mission and 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 that's to educate people but to also leave the world more beautiful than I found it. And I and I understand the satisfaction that I can help other people achieve. But one of the things, and I'm sure you must feel this too, and I want to um, I want to get your input on this, that at the end of the day, um, as even if I have a tough day and I've worked really hard because my job is extremely physical, I go home with this feeling that I could not work in a more beautiful bubble. And that the impact that plants and the sustenance that they have on me is incredible. And um, I notice it in the way I feel, in my health in general. Um, You know, they're the first place I want to be. They're the creatures I want to be with. And So tell me what that's like
1: for you with a therapy interest in it. I'm I'm glad you brought this up because people often ask me you know well well yes i love weeding in my garden that's very therapeutic so what is it you do that's different you know what differentiates horticultural therapy per se from from gardening which a lot of people do you know growing your own vegetables can be Extremely therapeutic, um, and and just merely weeding weeding your mm-hmm. perennials at the ma- mailbox or a- planting annuals at the mailbox. Um, here's the difference. So horticultural therapy is is goal driven. Um, So it typically correlates with the goal of the client or the patient you're working with. Um, Just as an occupational therapist or a physical therapist would have a goal working with a patient, so would a horticultural therapist. So the definition of horticultural therapy is the engagement of a client or patient through a nature-based activity driven by a goal or sometimes multiple goals to promote physical mental and social health. And the emphasis is usually on the process, not the product, of the activity um, guided by typically a registered horticultural therapist. So here's here's the difference. Let's say... Um, uh, that uh, cutting uh, cutting flowers and putting them in a vase can be therapeutic, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what you would do is you would take that activity and really look at what's going on, match it with the clients you're working with, and how could they benefit from that process. So uh, lately we've been doing quite a bit of what we call cutting back and blooming forth at skyland trail and we plant zinnias in the spring by seed we broadcast them uh we'll we'll put them in mixed seed paper and write a note and plant them so if you're still at Skyland Trail which is a long term treatment facility you know by the time you're harvesting these uh, flowers then wow you've really seen the process but the cutting back and blooming forth we talk about how you're you're actually um, you're cutting back old blooms or sometimes fresh ones but it's triggering the response is triggering new and beautiful new growth. Mm -hmm. What a Um, lovely thought. Yeah. So, uh, again, you can compare that to I'm going to go in the garden and and I'm going to look at these beautiful flowers. I'm going to cut them and I'm going to put them in a vase. But you're not really, um, maybe you're, you're not a taking that metaphor and uh, applying it to your recovery so in the case of with mental illness the recovery piece is is that they're learning that it's okay sometimes to, to edit to cut back maybe trauma from their past or 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 to take out unless if they're struggling with both addiction and mental illness to take out that piece and then to see The beauty and the outcome, um, and also that there can be painful parts of recovery, Mm -hmm. and often they feel their counselors or their psychiatrists are cutting back. (laughs) So, but then if they can see the outcome is to bloom forth, and also to produce seeds, so that that, Mm -hmm. begin that cycle again. Um, That's just one of many metaphors. Uh, The uh, this could. The same activity for someone who's in rehabilitation from a physical um, tr- uh, injury would be reaching into a garden bed uh, again, m- m- working those fine motor skills of of hand uh, f- in their fingers and arm, or or you know again that that reaching motion, um, or sometimes. Uh, even if, if it were a blind child that um, here's this colorful flower, right? But suppose it, it has fragrance, so they're um, harvesting something that they can smell and and um, or feel or touch or listen to the seed pods, you know. So, you know,
0: it, the, um, one of the things the Japanese do, and they started this in the 90s, is they do something called forest bathing, are you familiar with that? They take groups of people into the forest for a week or 10 days. Wow. And they have found, um, this is truly amazing, that it has boosted their immune system, um, mm. being exposed to nature. So, you know, in all these regards, mm. it's it's amazing. In the in our next hour, we're going to talk start talking specifically about your work at Skyline Trail. But one of the things I, I do want to say before we close this hour is there is a book I read um, this past year, and I I really loved it. It's called Wherever You Go, There You Are. And I would recommend it to anyone. Um, And one of the things it really helped me focus on as a type A personality is to live and process in the moment in the moment right and um i've never been one to look back but i'm always thinking what am i going to do next where am i Mm -hmm. you know what am i all the things i have to do and so what i am trying to focus on every day is my interaction with every person i meet and how i can change the quality of their day and understanding in that moment right what is going on um and when you were talking about um, if you're taking, cutting flowers and put them, putting them in a vase, um, you know, while that may not come under the description of therapy, I think it's important, especially for women and especially for women as they age, to understand the joy and the impact of these simple tasks that involved right. beauty, flowers, nature, plants, whatever, And the physical um, well-being and effect that it's having on them. And I think you have to step back for just a moment in that moment and feel it and um, absorb it Mm -hmm. um, and understand the nourishment that you're getting from some of these very simple tasks. It doesn't certainly always have to be with plants. It can be with color, with candles, with your favorite things, (laughs) but, Mm -hmm. but it is, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just think we take it so for granted. Um, I was having dinner at a friend's house, um, a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I was tired and I was having a glass of wine and, um, we just looked out over her garden and I noticed myself just going, oh, and I mean, (laughs) just, you know, it was just. Like somebody had cast a
1: spell on me, it was marvelous, and what you're talking about this being in the moment it's it's a it's really um uh, on the head for, uh, uh very um sorry um, ahead of it. Uh, well yeah. no this this thera- it's a therapy called um Dialectical behavioral therapy, and you're, you're, what you're referring to is being mindful in the moment. Exactly. And so um, that's um, a, a, a very popular um, therapy uh, and it's picking up p- pace rapidly yeah well i, <laughs> and, I know it's uh, helped me but it's definitely about being in the moment like you said not worrying about the future or being concerned of what could happen mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, in the future but also and being concerned about worrying about the past well I mean,
0: it it, it certainly does affect the quality mm-hmm. of of your time and and um and I what bec- why it became so important to me because um, Henry David Thoreau said and this was one of the things in this book wherever you go there you are, and he said mm-hmm. to affect the quality of the day is the highest form of art, and so. You know, I thought, well, gosh, with every person I engage with, with all the people that I engage with every day, if I can understand how I'm helping or what I can do in that very moment to help them through nature, that would be a wonderful thing. So you've really traveled an amazing journey to um, get here, and I'm looking forward in the next hour to talking more specifically because I know that you have so many projects Um at Skyland Trail, and I, I want to learn more about that. It's um, So we're going to um, be back next week with Libba Shortridge with the Skyland Trail Project and Horticultural Therapy. I thank you for being here today and um, look forward to our thank continued you. conversation. So we will see you um, or hear from you next week, listeners. Have a great week and be safe.